Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to Rask's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Thanks for listening to the Australian Business Podcast. This is episode two. In episode one, I shared my story of taking Rask from nothing to what it was after five years and all of the trials and tribulations that had been experienced. Before we get to your business, I want to spend a moment to focus on its most important asset, you. If you're thinking about business or you're already in one, I want to ask you a question. Why on earth are you about to go into business for yourself? Are you crazy? I'm convinced all of us must be a little bit crazy, naive, or something else to think that going it alone is a great idea. But then again, a lot of ideas sound great. I once had it put to me by an Australian CEO that, quote, good ideas are cheap, well-executed ideas are extremely expensive, end quote meaning that everyone has great ideas on businesses, products, services, and growth, but very few people are actually capable of pulling them off. Whether it's due to a lack of financial services knowledge, like on cash flow, the emotional carnage from burnout, or for legal reasons like getting sued or something else, just surviving all of that and living to tell the tale is hard enough, let alone getting it done well. Depending on the studies you read, it's estimated around 40 to 60% of new Aussie small businesses won't survive the next five years. I suspect a big reason for that failure is a failure to prepare and a failure to prepare yourself. Coming back to you and or your co-founders or business partners, the number one asset. How are you going to make sure you can do what it takes to survive? Some of you may be aware of this concept and tool and some of you may not. I want to introduce you to the idea of a vision board. Starting with what you want from life is the best place to begin your business journey. Because I find that a lot of the time people would be often far happier not running their own business. For example, if you love planning and taking a four week holiday every year, think twice before starting a business. Because that reality might take you 5, 10, or 20 years to come back to. When people figure out how long or how hard I work, they're often shocked. Side note, any small business owners are never shocked. 
I've had it put to me a few times that no one's tombstone will ever say, she was a really good worker, or he was really good at programming. Rather, it'll say, he was a great father and brother, or she was the most loving sister. It's okay to find peace, meaning, and value in your work. I think meaningful work is one of the most important things we can achieve. However, unlike the Forbes Rich List or the Financial Reviews League tables, I do not believe, quote, success, end quote, can be measured by our careers, our net worth, or the businesses we start. The world's number one leadership coach, Marshall Goldsmith, found that after working with thousands of the world's biggest and best CEOs and executives, their advice to young people can be summarized as follows. Be happy now. I want to take a moment to try and help you align your values to your business. I'm not here to tell you to avoid starting a business. In fact, far from it. However, I don't want you to do what I did. I want you to start it for the right reasons. To get you on the right path, I want you to answer a few questions and start working on your own vision board. You'll find all of these questions in the RAS Business Course Workbook, or you can use a piece of paper, a notepad, or just really anything. You could even do them in your head as you hear me speak them out. I'm going to give you the condensed version of my list of questions. What do you want to do more in your life? What things, activities, what pursuits, what are the things that you want to do more in your life? What do I want to achieve in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond? Create a list of all the things that you want to do. Maybe it's starting a family. Maybe it's having grandkids. Maybe it's going on a holiday or living overseas. Maybe it's working four days a week. What does my ideal Tuesday look like? And when you do this, I want you to think about it from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. What are you doing? Do you wake up with a coffee, a run, a workout? Or do you sleep in and then go to work? Do you work from home? Who do you work with? What do you do at night? You might be surprised to see that the things that you would want to do on your ideal Tuesday don't align with running a small business. I want to ask you some harder questions now. What toll will a business take on me and my relationships? What toll will a business take on my personal finances? How much income or salary will I be forced to give up? And finally, do I need to run my own business to achieve all of these things? I have created my own vision board in Notion. But for the purposes of the course and this podcast, you can download everything in one Google Sheet or in PDF using the materials and the show notes in this podcast. Not creating a vision board sooner is one of my biggest regrets. Now I want to ask you, what are you prepared to sacrifice? Launching a business isn't easy. If it was, everyone would do it and everyone would succeed. Australian entrepreneur and serial author Melissa Brown once wrote that being good at saving money isn't about how well you can budget. It's about knowing what you're prepared to sacrifice. So what are you prepared to sacrifice to start your business? Time? It takes a long time to start a business. There's a reason many people say, if you can survive the first few years, you'll be okay. Lost wages? Most people who start 
good businesses are good at what they do. So chances are you're going to be forced to give up pretty good wages if you throw a few years at this new venture. Money? How much money will it take to start and fund a business for the first year or two? Relationships. Many relationships can be tested if you throw all of yourself into starting a business. As I noted at the top of the show, many small businesses fail. The government reports that around 40-60% to fail in 5 years. To be honest, it's not as high as I thought it would have been. But maybe I'm led to think that because of all the failed cafes and restaurants, which are, in my opinion, very hard businesses to run profitably. There are many reasons for this, including cash flow, burnout and other things. The top three reasons businesses fail include poor management and or no planning. That's about one in four businesses failing for that reason. Not enough market research and an appropriate sales and marketing funnel. That's 17% of failures. A failure to understand finance, including relying on someone else like an accountant or business coach, and funding accounts for 14% of failures. So poor management and planning is 25%. Not enough market research and sales and marketing is 17%. A failure to understand accounting is around 14%. Follow the money. It's not a business until someone pays you for your products and services. Why? If no one is prepared to pay you for your products, it means you're not solving a genuine problem. At the very least, it means you're not solving it in the right way. And of course, I'm not talking about friends and the faithful, being your family, who are usually the first customers through the door. While it sounds crude or unbecoming to say, quote, focus on the money, this point is critical for your business's survival. Following the money means your business will be more flexible and adaptive to changes in customer behavior. A lot of founders, like myself, struggle with this point because following the money, it can seem like we end up building products or services that we don't love. For example, if you planned on making the world's best sugar buns and distributing them through local cafes only to find no one buys them, are you going to give up? Or are you going to try your hand at making muffins, even though you don't like making muffins? By following the money, we improve our chances of business success because we let our customers guide us to what works. But it can also mean we need to put our perceptions and our beliefs about what's best to one side and just follow the money. So how do you get more money? Well, you test and you test and you test and you test again. I believe one of the big reasons software and technology businesses tend to thrive is because they can quickly test and improve their products and services across thousands if not millions of different people without much of a cost to them. As business owners, we are the ones taking the risk. We are responsible for delivering products and services. We put the dollars in the bank and we are in control, right? Well, It's actually our customers who determine if we'll be a success. I believe a lack of listening to customers 
and seeing how quickly they get out their wallets is actually what leads most businesses to failure, even if we put it down to poor management or planning. Many people listening to this podcast will have a side hustle. So I ask you, is your business for pleasure or is it for money? Many of us have fantastic hobbies that could be monetized. Things like crafting nice furniture, drawing works of art, or cooking. And people might say to us, wow, you could sell this. Many of us will then turn our hobby into a side hustle and eventually into a business. I think trialing your business idea as a side hustle, that is a thing that you do on the side while you still have your 9 to 5, is a fantastic way to test the water and get started receiving feedback from your customer. As Warren Buffett says, don't test the water with both feet. Sometimes you may find that the side hustle becomes less enjoyable as you grow and as you go down this path, or that there simply isn't enough money coming in the door to make it a full-time business. But hey, that's okay. It might be disappointing, but it means you can go back to the drawing board And you've potentially avoided many years of running a very stressful and unsuccessful business. Sugar mummies and daddies. No, this isn't what you think it is. If you decide to start a business, I would argue quite strongly that your partner must be on board. If you're in a relationship, your quote-unquote sugar mama or quote-unquote sugar daddy is the one who will typically bring in the bacon while you pursue the business. So if you have a significant other who is earning consistent wages and can support your joint business venture, it can provide a wonderful base for launching your business. However, there are risks around this. So make sure it's an established relationship or speak to a lawyer first. And they'll need to be on board because you're sharing the risk with them. I want to end this episode of the podcast by talking about your skill set. One big reason I think a lot of businesses fail is the owners, like you, fail to scale and grow with the business. Chances are, if you're listening to our podcast, you're pretty good at what you do. For example, if you're a hairdresser thinking of going into business for yourself, you must think you can do it better, or at least as good, as the person that's already doing it, and you can survive on your own. I think there's a big reason why many talented people who start businesses fail to grow them to a point where they become medium and large businesses. In the book E-Myth Revisited, I was introduced to the three stages of a business owner, the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. Everyone thinks of themselves as an entrepreneur, but the reality is is you have to progress through each of the stages and do all three of them very well. Let's use some examples. First, you need to be a great technician. This means you probably need to be the best in your business at the product or service that you're creating. If you're a hairdresser, if you're a carpenter, or if you're an engineer, you would want to be very good at these things before you start a business in this industry. So go and get the skills and the knowledge you need to be an industry expert. I remember chatting to Kate Morris of Adore Beauty. She credits some of 
her business's growth to her ability to write blogs and emails that were kind of setting the industry standard when the internet was coming up. So she positioned herself as an expert. The thing is, most small business owners stop at this level of being a great technician because they fail at the next two stages. I believe this is the true reason most Aussie businesses are actually sole traders, in addition to it being handy for subcontractors. So the second stage. Here, you need to learn how to support others. This means you have to transition from getting the most out of yourself, i.e. a technician, to getting the most out of others, i.e. a manager. Here, you can work hard on creating workplace cultures that suit, put procedures and systems in place for training, and set the right KPIs and deliverables for your staff to earn bonuses and be incentivized. Then, you can clearly define the roles of other managers within your business, what you expect them to do, how they should behave, and so on. Personally, I find this step to be extremely hard within my business and have failed at it twice. Because to succeed here as a manager, we have to put down our perfectionist mindset and let others find their own way. To do so requires patience and forgiveness for mistakes. I believe that not everyone is suited to this step as a result. I think this is why those 75% of businesses in Australia have less than four employees. One workaround for the step might be to hire someone to become a manager or go into business with them. One of my big regrets is not finding a co-founder to work with me. The final stage of being entrepreneur is to become a great leader. This means setting the most appropriate strategy for your technicians and for your managers to follow. This stage in your evolution involves researching your industry and the way it's moving, using your own analytics to find trends or themes in your customer base, setting clear goals for the organization, and generally optimizing the business. You may also need to inspire and motivate others to get the most from the business and take it to where you want it to be. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. In the next episode, I'm going to walk you through business plans and how to get to know your customer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the Rask website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.